You know what? Let's let's just start with the good stuff. How about that? Welcome in. Today is Wednesday, August 12th, and this is the Rocktown Sports Pod by the Daily News Record. I'm Greg Medea, and today I'm joined alongside by Cody Elliott. I'm the JMU football writer. Cody, of course, covers the prep scene here at the DNR, and it's been a really heavy, tough sports news week, I guess you could say, sports news month, past couple of months, especially though recently with Virginia High School League's decision, uh, the local Division three schools, of course, JMU, within, just within the last week, uh, really shutting down for the fall. And we'll get into that, I, I promise. But I want to start with the Rockingham County Baseball League because, Cody, and I'll welcome you in now, It's it's been successful, I'd say. They've gotten to this point with, with no problems. Knock on wood, they won't have any by the time they wrap up their postseason, but Cody, the, the, the RCBL, any, any way you look at it, it's been successful. Yeah, I think it's been every bit, um, you know, what we wanted when, when we found out that they were going to play. I think what every fan wanted in terms of, you know, they've, they've had plenty of fresh faces from, you know, Chase DeLauder and his unbelievable season with Broadway to the you guys, everyone, Bridgewater's pitching staff. And, and, you know, just all these young, um, talented college players that have come into the league and, you know, mixed that with all the veterans and some of the, the high school products and, um, it was a really a competitive league um, from start to finish. You know, I don't think you know you know probably won their first tenant, um, and I think I believe it was ninety some years. Uh, so you know, a historic year for them. But it, it was never. I don't think they were ever the clear cut favorite until the end. The, the race pretty much came down to the, the final night. Um, so you know, all in all, I think it's been everything that we could have asked for in terms of competitive, fun, and and just a, a kind of a getaway in the sports world right now. And you know, a lot of people needed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that's kind of the most important takeaway with this. In a year where no spring sports were played at the collegiate level, the high school level in the state, there was no baseball season, no college baseball season, really. Uh, it started, but it didn't finish. And then you had the Valley Baseball League cancel its season. And, and to me, for the Rockingham County Baseball League and, and what it was able to pull off to this point, uh, it's really impressive because it certainly filled the need, not only for the players and coaches, the players who needed at bats or innings on the mound, or the coaches uh, who who you know just like being part of it every year, but also also the people in the community that were certainly looking for something to do. And it's been evident, you know, you go out to a game and those those stands are packed. Some folks trying to do the social distancing, others don't care. But it, it's been it's been good. It's been encouraging to see that you, you know the the local communities are getting behind their teams just like they always do each summer. Absolutely, I think especially this year, you know, after the loss of Chris Cooper, um, the Clover Hill longtime coach earlier this year, um, you know, there it was there was kind of a dark cloud over the league in terms of you know everybody was everybody was really upset about that. And that was a really hard loss for the league to take as a whole, not just the Clover Hill community, and so. For everybody to come out and kind of come together, um, I was there opening night when Clover Hill took on Bridgewater, or Broadway, I'm sorry, and, and you know, just all the way around the third base and first base lines, and you have chairs everywhere, people packed, um, people excited to see baseball again and to support the Clover Hill community during a tough time. Um, you know, just like you said, just from start to finish, I think it's just been a real success and, and really cool to kind of see it bring the community together in a lot of ways. You know, it seems like across the league there's so many different storylines this year. Um, you know, we're so used to seeing so many of the familiar faces in terms of the veterans on Clover Hill, on Bridgewater, 
Bar. These guys every year kind of competing for that title. You know, this year it's been different with Broadway and having a bunch of their game, you guys. You got Bridgewater and, and their kind of random group of, you know, <laughs> old and young that, that's taken over that roster. You've got Grottos and, and a lot of those spots for the ones that are going down there and playing really, really well. And then um, Newmarket with all the Shenandoah products. So, you know, it seems like each team kind of has its own identity and it's been kind of fun to see how that's played out throughout the year. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and I think this bodes really well for the RCBL long term. They they making it an effort, making it a point to, to have a season and to have there there's value there, I think, uh, for the long term viability of the league. It's it's one of the oldest leagues in the country, right? The only the only league that's that's older than it is Major League Baseball, uh, the National League in particular. But for, from from this perspective, I, I thought maybe over the last, you know, two, three years especially the talent in the league had, had kind of gotten watered down. The pitching wasn't very good. Uh, and this year, because of the circumstance, you had Division One arms on just about every team, and a few teams had former pros, whether it be an affiliated baseball or independent minor league baseball, throwing for them this summer because they needed somewhere to play. Now, I'm thinking, you know, for, for the future, maybe some of these college players – Give the RCBL a look. If if it's closer to home, it's a it's a place to play. Of course, they'll have competition uh, with the college leagues as they come back. But I think for the long term viability and and giving these kids and and me, me starting at the high school level too, because if some of these high schoolers go off and play in college. It's always going to be there in the back of their mind that the county league is there for them uh, to play if, if they choose to spend their summer at home or spend their summer more locally to where their school is, if a lot of the JMU kids. So, so I think I think it's set itself up, you know, for, for a good next couple of years as well. Absolutely, I agree completely. I mean, you know, looking at how successful it's been this year and, and how much praise, you know, those guys that, that have that come from the visual level have given it. You know, guys like Justin Showalter from JMU. Um, even Chase Blotter, all these guys, I mean, they've, they've talked about, you know, how beneficial this has been for them. And, you know, well, obviously guys like Blotter and, and Showalter, you know, they're clearly going to move on to leagues like the Valley Baseball League, the, the Cape Cod, maybe different leagues like that. You know, I think especially where you might see this become more beneficial is you might see more of these D2 and D3 guys, you know, really start to come out more. Um, you know, in recent years, it has felt like it's been more of the veterans, more of guys who, you know, two or three years removed from college um, or two or three years removed from high school and not really playing in college. Um, you still had those college players throughout the league, but it, it wasn't as much this year. I think in the future you might see more of that Division two, Division three guys. And then also some of those top high school guys. I mean, you look at a guy like Bryce Peters and, and what a summer – this could do, what a summer like this could do for him. You know, he's still got another year of high school baseball coming up at Broadway, and you know he just spends the entire summer playing with with guys, two guys that are going to JMU this fall, and a, and a bunch of other guys that have played at Division One level in the past. Um, you know, that's that's experience that you don't necessarily get as a seventeen year old kid um, very often, and I think you know the RCBL can provide that while also you know providing you know a competitive league for those Division Two and Division Three guys. Um, you know, just look at Newmarket. I mean, the Shenandoah baseball program has to just be thrilled with, you know, their guys all spending an entire summer together, basically, um, you know, playing together. And, you know, it's almost as if the season wasn't lost for them in the, in the spring after, you know, getting to spend the entire summer together there and, and obviously being very successful. 
Yeah, no doubt. New market, the number two seed in the postseason after after finishing second in the standings. Uh, they're up. 2-0 in their series. They play Grottos tonight in Game 3 at Rebel Park in, in one of the semifinals series, the best of five semifinals. Broadway leads the other, the top seed in the tournament, leads the other series over Bridgewater 2-1 to after last night's victory. Late, late game last night, Cody. Yeah, yeah. I it it believe it was almost midnight when that one got done. Um, you know, Jamie's got that new... Uh the new lightning uh, detection system there, and, and it's very high tech, and it, yeah, I think it's uh, come back to, to bite Broadway a few times this year when they maybe maybe the umpires didn't see the lightning, but the system was going off, and um, apparently the game, you know, it got suspended, I believe, around 8.30 last night in the top of the third. It didn't get started again until about 10. But yeah, another late night there, and, you know, there was actually some questions in the middle of that game last night about whether that was going to be the last game for them there, because you know the yeah. Harrisonburg City came out with an ordinance, um, a fifty-person ordinance. Uh, you know, no no gatherings ever fifty people, and so immediately you know the question of whether they'd be able to play their games there at Eagle Field um, at Veterans Memorial Park came into question. Um, you know, I talked to some people at JMU and, and from the RCBL today. That seems like that's gotten cleared up. That that, that doesn't apply to them. Um, so they should be okay, but yeah, that was that was interesting as well because that's been a, a big, um, you know, a big asset for them. They've enjoyed that a lot. I think the league has enjoyed that a lot, being able to play at GMU on the turf, you know, on the, on the with the nice stands and everything like that. Um, it's a big change for the county league, and um, you know, so that, that's fitting that they'll get to end the year there, um, you know, and, and possibly with with the trophy. Yeah, it'll it'll be fascinating. Broadway uh, and Bridgewater. I think they're off today and then resume tomorrow uh, with the game at Montezuma. I think Bridgewater's playing their games at Montezuma, right? That's correct. That is correct. Yeah, they split their regular season games between Clover Hill and Montezuma, but I believe their the rest of their playoff games are are at Montezuma. So, gotcha. So that that's. Uh, that's kind of where things stand with the RCBL. A C- couple of things I wanted to ask you, though, before before we wrap up our discussion on a county league. The high school impact, the impact the county league has had on high school players this summer, the guys that, that will go back and, and, and finish their high school careers after this year with being able to face uh, Justin Showalter, a couple of pitchers from VCU, some former pros, Across scattered across the league, seeing other Division One players like Adam Hackenberg, the the Clemson catcher. What mm-hmm. what what do you see as as beneficial or impactful for high school players in the, from the city county guys who, who are playing their high school baseball at Spotswood or Fort Defiance or Harrisonburg or Broadway? What do you see the long term impact of it of it being? Well, I, I spoke to, to Bryce Cedars a little bit about this earlier this year with, with, with a story I did on him, um, Brayson Fulton and Grant Painter, who are both just recent Riverhead grads who are about to start their freshman year at JMU. And, I, and one of the things that Bryce told me was just, you know, learning how to kind of slow the game down a little bit and, do the, and appreciate the little things. You, you know, these younger guys are, are, are known for their energy, known for being electric, um, you know, kind of bringing a, a, a very, you know, up-tempo vibe to the field. Um, I know Cedars there for a while had, had stolen, I think, four or five um, bases in, in just a few games. Um, you know, he, he was just all over the place. And one thing he told me is, well, that's a, that's a great thing to do, and I think that was beneficial for the for Clover Hill. Um, on the opposite end of that, you know, some of those older guys like Blake Sykes, Tyler Bocock, Drew Easter, all these guys here, you know, 27, 28, 29, been around the game now for, for 15 years. 
those guys were able to kind of pull him aside and, you know, just tell him, you know, this is what you should do in this situation, you know, or this is how you should handle this. Little things that, you know, maybe he didn't necessarily see before, um, you know, because he's focused on, you know, all the exciting things and all the things that kind of grab attention. Um, he's, he's now able to kind of appreciate and grow from those. And I think, you know, it's a maturity thing. I think, you know, playing around guys that are, you know, in some cases 10 years older than you, um, you know, obviously I think you're, you're going to learn different things. You're going to grow as a, as a baseball player and as a person and just mature a little bit. And I think, you know, for guys like him and, you know, you look at Tristan Shoemaker, he's one of the top um, prospects in the state right now, going to his UVA commit. Um, he's playing at Grotto's, you know, and you just look around. I think those guys really can just gain a lot um, in terms of maturity and knowledge. And, you know, as they head off into college, and whether it be a year or two, um, I think you'll really see it pay off in terms of, you know, them being able to step in there and be ready and be used to being around guys um, a couple years older and maybe not necessarily being intimidated and, and kind of being ready to contribute right away. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think that's one of the, the really neat things this season has brought to the RCBL is just that mesh of really good high school players, college players at the D3, D2, and D1 levels, and, of course, the vets who have always played in the league uh, meshing together for, for one really unique season, a short and regular season uh, and, and regular playoffs, but a unique season nonetheless. So it's been fascinating. I you know, just kudos to the RCBL for, for being able to pull it off and, and keep moving forward in a time where not many sports leagues are doing so. And, and that kind of leads us into the sad portion of the conversation as, as we get into what's been a crazy couple of weeks as far as high school, college sports news in the state of Virginia, and specifically the Shenandoah Valley. Let's start with the most recent, and that being James Madison. JMU, the Dukes, opting this past Friday to suspend its fall football season. It had been trying as an FCS independent to play this fall after the Colonial Athletic Association had decided it would not hold conference competition. That decision was made last month, and JMU tried and tried and tried to play as an independent, didn't work out, uh, and then once the FCS fell below the 50% threshold required by the NCAA in order to sponsor an FCS postseason, it was clear that wasn't going to happen uh, for the FCS level, and JMU decided to pull the plug. Then came Monday, and it was all sports off the table for, for JMU this fall. So it's been since mid-March that the no college sports competition has happened for, for, for JMU uh, and across the country, and it looks like it, it won't happen uh, for JMU this fall after their recent decisions. Cody, I know from talking to folks at JMU that it was a very difficult decision. It was not an easy decision to make, but if there wasn't going to be, especially in football, if there wasn't going to be an FCS postseason that they wanted to try to give themselves that opportunity if it was moved to the spring. And that's what, you know, that's what it seems. That's what it seems like could happen. It's been the discussion really since the subdivisions conversation has moved toward that. What What's kind of your opinion as, as someone who's not 
covering FCS football every single day and, and not around it every single day. What's been your opinion from the outside as it's played out for JMU? And you've seen the dominoes fall, you know, kind of all across the country uh, with the exception of a few FBS leagues and uh, a few FCS leagues. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they really were left with kind of no choice, in my opinion. I mean, um, as you said, without the championships, um, you know, being sponsored and things like that, you know, that's kind of, you know, that, that is what, that's what JMU is now. I mean, that's what, the, that's their brand, that's what they're known for, um, you know, is, is being in contention for that national championship every year, um, you know, and, and as things got, you know, continuously worse and, um, you start watching the dominance fall. I mean, I feel like you even see that at the FBS level, you know, when the Ivy League kind of canceled, I guess it was about 35, 40 days ago now. Um, you know, that was kind of the first domino, just like it was in the spring, back when the spring cancellations happened. The Ivy League was the first one, and then slowly we just saw the, the dominance start to fall. And, you know, I think it's one of the things, you know, I've, I've said it before in some of these stories about the high school leagues have to do this. You know, it, it's something that you kind of feel like, Everybody knows what's happening, but at the end of the day, when it when it is made official and you have to make that decision, um, it's still not easy. You, no matter how much you're ready for it, how much you try to brace yourself for it, um, you know I don't I don't think there's any way. And, um, you know, so hopefully for JMU, you know, you, you, at this point you got to hope there's a spring season. Um, you know, what's what's really unfortunate is you know you look at guys like D'Angelo Amos and some of those guys um, who are, are now transferring to the to the higher level. Um, you know, obviously happy for those guys, but you just think, you know, all of this is happening mostly because of the, these these postponements and things like that, and guys want to have a chance to play this fall. Um, it's obviously there's a lot of questions, even at the SBS level now with the Big Ten uh, and the Pac-12 moving to the spring as well. You know, what they're going to do for NFL draft is, again, it's just, it, it sounds cliche, but there's just so many different domino effects from all of this, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of different questions, a lot of different scenarios that Jamie's still going to have to figure out. You know, I feel like even before the spring comes back around. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And it was interesting, Jeff Bourne, the James Madison athletic director, he, he, he did a Zoom call with reporters earlier this week. And, and I had asked them, you know, how are you going to play in the spring? What's a spring schedule going to look like? I, I asked them, you know, do you kind of start with setting a date for, for a championship and work back from then? And this is what Jeff had to say. I do think you start at the end and work back. Um, theoretically, season starts the 1st of March. It's played for two months. Playoffs start right at the beginning of May. You finish up at the end of May. And that's a crazy time for those of us to think of a championship segment. But we've gone through a, a spring uh, season, practice season, we, we just have to find a way to make it work uh, for us. And I, I believe there is, from everybody that I've talked to on a national level, there's very much a strong appetite for that. So kind of fascinating, possibly starting, he suggested possibly starting the first week of March and finishing up by the end of May. To me, it's, it's fascinating because every time you come up with an answer, there are more and more questions. And I think the big pressing question that everybody will have about a spring football season is whether or not you can turn around and ask college athletes to go at it again and play during the fall. So there's that question, and then there's the question of do these schools have enough staff uh, in their athletic department to be able to handle the possibility of playing 
football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, softball, the soccers, and all the other non-revenue sports all at the same time. So yeah, there's a lot to figure out there at the college level, and it's going to be it's going to be very fascinating, very fast-moving news, I assume, over the next couple of weeks as they try to sort through what a possible sports calendar could look like at the Division One level and at the FCS level. As for the Division Threes, and Cody, you, you know this as well as anyone uh, from, from covering a lot of the high school kids that go on to play at the Bridgewaters, the EMUs, and some of the other D3s, just because it doesn't get the same recognition that a Big Ten or even a JMU canceling its fall sports, it doesn't mean, it, it, it doesn't mean as much at the, at the D3 level with the Bridgewaters and the EMUs who you know, were eager for a fall season. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think especially even one team that I, I really thought of when all this went down was the Bridgewater football team. Um, coming off just that phenomenal year um, a year ago under Mike Clark, and, you know, to now lose that season, and, and now they have to wait all the way till the spring again. Um, you know, it, it's it's really unfortunate, um, and it, it impacts a lot of different things, too, because, you know, the D3 schools are still able to host business, but, you know, a lot of these kids right now, even at the high school level, this, at, at the high school football level, they would be getting their looks from a lot of these schools, from, you know, the Bridgewater, oh, the, yeah. uh, the Emory Henry, the, the randolph Nixon, and now without a high school season, um, you've got to think that the D3s, I mean, they're kind of left, you know, without a lot of evaluation on a bunch of these kids. Um, and so, it, again, it, 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 I know I keep repeating myself here, but there's, if there's so many different, um, you know, just questions and, and scenarios that, that it, it raises at pretty much every level now with all of these post-pregnancy cancellations. And, you know, I know it's easy to say, you know, well, well maybe in March when everything's clear or if everything's clear, we can all try to try it again. Um, but like you said, with, with staffing and now the way it changes the sports calendar for the high school kids, um, you know, there's just so many, it's kind of a ripple effect from all these cancellations and postponements. And, you know, especially I feel like at the D3 level, especially here in the Valley, where a lot of the high school kids are, you know, primarily Division two, Division three level, um, you know, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how that impacts their recruitment. I think there's a lot, a lot of kids um, that I could name, you know, just off the top of my head. You know, I expected a big fall in their respective sports, um, and, and that would probably, probably get them some looks. And now, you know, they're suddenly looking at they won't even get to play that sport until February, March, and that, that just that changes the calendar and that changes things for everybody involved. Yeah, it's. I don't know what the heck the NCAA is going to do about the recruiting calendar uh, at the D1, D2, and D3 levels. Of course, at the D1, you've got the early signing period for football that starts in December. Uh, runs a couple of days, and then you got the traditional signing date in February. And if you're looking at the VHSL calendar here in Virginia, you know that football, the football season, will not start until until the spring, until after both of those dates have passed. Uh, so it's really it's really fascinating to think about, Cody. When it comes to the VHSL and and what they've decided to do, the three seasons in basically half a half a half a school year what's what's your perspective on it how do you see it shaping shaping up what do you see the outlook of it to to be yeah i mean as you know about a month ago they, they brought three proposals to the table and you know i thought there was one that was a clear cut you know from the start and that was the one that i wasn't really even sure why i was being listed and, and that was the one where they eliminated football volleyball ball sports 
um, completely, um, just canceled them and then moved on to the winter season. Um, you know, I don't think that I don't think anybody would have been happy with that. In fact, I know no one would have been happy with that. Um, and so that one, obviously, I don't think was ever in serious consideration. Um, so it basically came down to two scenarios there with um, flipping the fall and spring season. Now, soccer would have stayed in the spring because it's considered a high risk, but that would have put baseball, softball, um, probably track and field, and then um, boys and girls tennis into the fall and would have flipped, you know, football, volleyball, uh, cross-country, golf, et cetera, into the spring. I thought that was a, a really reasonable and a very uh, valid plan there. And the other one, obviously, is the one that they decided on in terms of the condensed schedule, um, where they will now start December 14th will be the first practice. That'll start with with what are typically winter sports in terms of boys and boys and girls basketball, wrestling, indoor track. Um, that'll start December 14th. First game will be just two weeks later, um, which is a very, very short turnaround. Um, and, and the biggest issue I have with that is just that, you know, you look at these teams, these are high school teams. They've got to have tryouts. They've yeah. got to give, you know, kids a full chance. Go um, through three or four days of tryouts. Now, granted, I know JV and varsity will do their separate things, but you've got coaches who have to be there for four or five hours a day um, going through tryouts with both teams, um, getting, you know, deciding who makes the team on each roster. Uh, that takes three or four days out of your out of your workout. Then you're still left with two or three days on that first week. Then you get a full second week of practice, and then suddenly you're thrown into your first game. Typically, that first game doesn't come for about a month, and typically your first even a scrimmage that doesn't mean anything doesn't come for about three weeks. But suddenly we're doing it after a week and a half. And on top of that, you know, what I'm the BSL is they're expecting each league to play only about fifty games, fifty percent of their game on um, the season. Uh, so when you look at you know. How that works mathematically, you know, it just doesn't it, it doesn't really seem like they can play. If they play non district games, it's probably going to be one or two, especially in sports like basketball. Football is probably just the district schedule. So immediately within a week and a half of practice, you're playing a meaningful game against the district opponent, and that's tough. I mean, especially with all the time these teams have had off, you know, not having a, not having really solid workouts like they like they are used to. Um, you know, it's just going to be very interesting and very challenging for everyone, the coaches, the players. I mean, it's just, I think the product itself, you know, at the high school level is, is not going to be quite where it used to be um, in, in recent years because of, you know, just the, all the different factors involved. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough. And that was one of the things way back when those, when those three – when those three options were proposed, and, and I remember talking to the Turner Ashby football coach Chris Frazier about it, and, and he 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 was a big proponent of I think the the second option of kind of flipping flipping the seasons just because you wouldn't have as much overlap, you'd have a little bit you know m- more time with with each with each individual uh, sport depending you know, and, and that includes football of course. Uh, even moving into the spring, and, and I kind of agreed with him there, just in that sense that it kind of opened up some things, uh, especially when you consider how how many kids, uh, not only in, in in the Shenandoah Valley and, and in the area we cover, but across the state and across the country, they're playing baseball and softball now like it was any other summer. You know, I, I think that's something. Uh, maybe the VHSL should have considered because there are some logistical issues that that come along with. <laughs> with with playing the three sports in such a short window, I think the one really good thing about it, though, is that each player, each high school student, 
will have the opportunity to play the sport that they love most. And, and that, that I think, is, is probably something the VHSL took into consideration, correct? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, leaving the window open for everybody to play is definitely a big thing. Um, I asked that the ADs around here, you know, if they're worried about you know, the overlapping with seasons. They seem like they're not. Um, I'm still curious to see how that works because I think, you know, with, with the season so condensed already, um, having those guys, you know, if the team in, in basketball now goes on a deep run like he struck, I mean, how is that going to affect the football team who, you know, will only have two weeks of practice anyway? Um, you know, you're talking about if you go on a deep run of stage, you miss half your season, if not more. And that's just, you know, you see that typically with football teams and the basketball season in terms of missing a, a week or two, but they're usually able to push games away. And a condensed schedule, rescheduled games is not going to be as easy as it typically is. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that happens with teams. And, you know, at, at, like I said, schools around here, you guys, I mean, almost every athlete is a multi-sport athlete. Oh, yeah. Um, and a lot of them are three-sport athletes. So seeing how that all plays out and, and how kids bounce that, I'll be interested to see if we see kids maybe choose one sport to focus on, maybe seniors who are trying to choose what sport they want to play in college and things like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But it, it's unfortunate for for the kids just to, to now kind of be forced to make these kind of decisions because you know it's it obviously last spring you know you saw a lot of seniors lose their their final year of sports and then now um, we're, we're seeing similar types of things hopefully not cancellations yet but similar types of things uh, this year yeah uh, hopefully uh, and, and I pray every night that we get a freaking vaccine, man. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, that, that I think would do wonders and would have put, put a lot of people in the sports world at ease uh, that, that some of these things can actually happen. Uh, in the meantime, I think not super hyper-locally, but within the region, uh, maybe UVA football and, and it's fall sports, maybe Virginia Tech and it's football, it's fall sports uh, can play as the ACC is, is still keeping it going uh, in spite of the, you know, the Big Ten and Pac-12 decision on Tuesday. Cody, you, you think you're, you're, you're a Virginia Tech alum, and I'm sure you're eager for, for another year of hokey football, but do you think they can pull it off? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I've been one that said um, for about the past few weeks that I didn't think um, we'd see college football in general from, from any of the power fives, anybody in general. I really just thought there were too many different factors and too many um, unknown variables to, to go into it. But, um, you know, I think the past few days between the players coming out with, with their movement mm-hmm. um, and the coaches coming out in support of them, um, along with, with both the ACC, the SEC, both coming out last night, um, or maybe it was two nights ago. I'm losing track of the days now. But, and then um, Big, Big 12 out, today. Yeah, Big 12 today, too. Yeah, it's basically saying, you know, we're happy with where we're at. We're happy with our protocols right now. Um, and, you know, we are we at this point anticipate going on. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, you never know unless, you know, there's, there's, it changes by the day, it seems like. But at this point, it seems like everything's on track to go there. And, you know, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out in terms of the college football playoff. Right now, you'd only, you'd only have three of the of the main conferences playing with the Big 12. Also, looking like they're still on for now. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, obviously, I think um, the, whole, the entire country would love to see it. But, you know, it'd, be, it'd also be kind of interesting to see what the whole country um, thanks for some ACC football. I mean, you're <laughs> you're looking at, you know, right now the ACC schedule starts September 12th. 
Uh, one thing I was talking to a buddy about the other day was, you know, the other leagues aren't scheduled until September 26th, but you look at that week two matchup between UVA and Tech, and, I mean, we it might have national eyes on it, you know, all over the country because it's the only game going on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it'd be interesting to see that what the national perspective of, uh, of the UVA-Virginia Tech rivalry summit comes. Yeah, I, I, think, I think if these leagues can pull it off, it's such a great thing. There's so much money to be made if if they can pull it off. I know you may not have fans in the stands depending on what state the stadium and the school is in, but there is massive, massive opportunity. And, and I know it's been said nationally already, but uh, those Power 5 leagues that do play uh, compared to if, if, if the Big 10 and Pac-12, which they've already closed up shop, they're going to pass those two leagues big time in recruiting. It's going to set those programs in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 back. Um, that's that's one of the reasons why I thought JMU was so smart and hanging on as long as it could. It showed at least the commitment to football more so than the rest of its league, which was already known based on the finances. But in the end, you know, they, they hung out as long as they could. And maybe if they could have gotten some opponents, which I know was tough to do for them, it, it might have been able to be done and they might still be trying. But nevertheless, I, I think... You know, their attempt to play was was smart for as long as it could do it, and then once the FCS postseason uh, was was more and more unlikely, they had to do what they had to do. But for those leagues that do play and those schools that do play, it's it's a major win for them long term. I think. Oh, absolutely! From recruiting to revenue from the TV deals, I mean, we've already seen what the MLB and NBA have done in terms of TV <laughs> ratings and things like that, just from being on TV. Um, you know, and being back and those only sports to watch. And, you know, with football, everybody knows football is king. Um, and so, you know, the revenue that, that ESPN and all these, all these you know, networks are going to get uh, and all these schools are going to get, um, you know, it's just there's a lot of positives that could come if they're able to play. Obviously, you hope for the, the health um, of the student-athletes first, but if they're able to get out of the field and do it in a, in a safe and um, productive way, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're, you're 100% spot on with with the recruiting advantages that, that those schools suddenly have and um, the commitment that they show. And, um, you know, you got to think that'll pay off um, in the long run and obviously in the, short, in the short term as well this year. And, um, you know, it could make for an interesting year. I, I, I felt the 10-plus-1 approach from the, from the ACC um, was actually um, kind of intriguing, and I'm, I, I'm excited to see kind of how that plays out and if they might, you know, move to something like that similar in the future because, um, you know, a lot of big names on tech schedule – I know a lot of the jokes was that, you know, Tech has a lot of these big names coming to Blacksburg. It's a shame that the fans won't be able to see them this year because this might be one of their better schedules they've had. But with Clemson and UVA and a bunch of others. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I think there's definitely some positives. And, um, you know, I think everybody in, in some way is holding out just hope that that can, that can still go on. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that would be great. Uh, and, and maybe we dip our toe in the water and cover that a little bit. Uh, last thing, Cody, I, I didn't want to forget it before we wrap up here. EMHS, we, we don't talk about them as much as we talk about uh, the rest of the VHSL, uh, excuse me, the VHSL and, and, and the public school sports. Uh, EMHS folded up shop yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation for them. You know, the, uh, the VISAA, the Independent Schools Organization, um, they decided about a month ago that they were not going to um, sanction their fall championships. They did leave the choice up to the schools and the conferences to make their own individual decisions. Um, unfortunately, you know, I talked to Andrew Gasho throughout the whole process. The EMHS 
AD, and they just could not come up with a, a safe and productive way to do that um, with the other schools because of so much travel. You know, these schools, obviously, MHS, they travel a lot more than, than you know, the schools around here. They're not going just a 15-minute trip from Broadway to TA. They're, they're traveling typically 45 minutes to an hour to their away games. So that just became a huge risk for them. Um, so the, the sad part is they weren't able to, to adopt the condensed schedule. They even talked to the VHSL about trying to get into there for just a year um, into the Valley District. That was that was turned down, and, um, you know, they're, they're kind of left now with, with nothing for the fall. Um, you know, they're going to try to come up with some funding to do maybe a volleyball tournament at the school. I know the cross-country team has talked about doing a virtual race uh, with some other schools around the area um, where they'll go run on their own and then record their times and, you know, see where everyone lands. But, um, you know, overall, obviously, just a really sad situation. You know, the boys' soccer team looked like they were going to be, you know, set up for an improved year this fall. Uh, the volleyball team, I think, is the biggest loss. They were a team that I thought really had a chance of winning a state title. Um, yeah, after back-to-back state semifinal appearances, they really were loaded up this year. Probably the best player in the in the state on uh, in Adrian Klein, and um, you know suddenly that her senior year is gone along with several others. So uh, you, you just feel for those kids. Um, you know, another group of seniors, uh, much like the spring, um, you know that is that is left without a season. You know, Gastro actually had with the head coach of the girls' soccer team, which was another team that was set up for another deep run in the spring. They had their season canceled. Um, now he's having to deal with it as an AD as well. So um, just a tough, tough year. You, you obviously feel bad for those kids all the way around. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So, like, like I said earlier, it's been kind of, kind of depressing news one day after the other that you know sports won't be happening here in the Shenandoah Valley this fall. But you know, we'll, we'll do our best to keep you up on, uh, up to date on when they could return. Uh, I'm sure that'll be, you know, our main focus over the next couple of months uh, as we try to figure out, you know, when when the heck these teams can play again. Uh, so, Cody, you know, appreciate uh, taking time to, to talk with me here on a Rocktown Sports Pod. Got the RCBL. Let's let's end on a good note like we started. Uh, RCBL semifinals tonight. You got New Market and Bridgewater, or yeah, New Market and Bridgewater. Uh, New Market can can clinch the series tonight, Cody. Yeah, yep. Newmark is looking for the clinch at home, and um, you know I think you know going to the playoffs uh, when I when I did my Arsenal playoff preview, I, I thought that Newmark and Broadway were kind of shaped up. You know, just looking at their whole their seasons as a whole, I thought they were in the best shape to um, you know make a deep run, and it, and it's looking that way right now. Bridgewater, I think, has a, has a better chance of knocking off Broadway. Grotto's really missed an opportunity the other night. They blew, I think, it was a six run lead in the eighth inning. Um, and I, I'm just wondering how they can bounce back from that. It's going to be tough on the road, but um, we'll see. If they can go down there and get a win tonight, they're obviously back in the series. But, um, yeah, right now, New Market's playing well. Like I said, the Shenandoah guys, they've got the chemistry rolling, and they seem to, seem to have these going for them. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So Newmarket hosting Grottos tonight. I think I misspoke and said Bridgewater uh, just a few seconds ago. Newmarket hosting Grottos tonight, 7.30. The Shockers looking to clinch the series. But that'll do it for this edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod. For Cody Elliott, I am Greg Medea saying thanks for tuning in.